Seamus, The Case of the Mason Jars, Part 4, Looking for Pixie, is based on the book by John MacDonald, A Bullet for Cinderella. A janitor at the high school told me I could probably find Mr. Ballard in his office on the ground floor of the building. My steps echoed in the empty corridor with a metallic ring. I found the right door and tapped on it. A tired voice told me to come in. Mr. Ballard sat at a table marking papers. His desk behind him was stacked with books and more papers. Something I can do for you? My name's Hunter James. I want to talk to you about a student you used to have. An ex-student? In trouble? No, it's... I'm refreshed. Not in trouble? Fancy that. Sometimes it seems that we turn out nothing but criminals of all dimensions. Is this a bad time? I'm gathering material about Floyd Vincent. Irene suggested I talk to you. He leaned back and rubbed his eyes. That has the sound of a book. I'm writing sort of a memorial to officers who died in the line of duty. I take it you're not a professional writer. No, sir. Then this, as a labor of love, should be treated with all respect. Irene knows as much about Floyd as any person alive. She told me a lot. I got a lot from Floyd before he died, but I need more. She said you were interested in Floyd. I was, Mr. James. Floyd was almost abnormally normal, yet he had a spark. Creative mathematics. He could sense the, the, the rhythm behind numbers. He devised unique shortcuts to solve traditional class problems. He had that rare ability to grasp intricate relationships and see them in pure, simple form. He had no ambition. Without that drive, Mr. James, any ability is merely empty cleverness. I hope to be a mathematician. I did not have enough of what Floyd Vincent was born with. I hope that one day he would recognize his talent. He never had the time. I guess he didn't. I doubt if he would have gone any further. He was a decent young man, but everything was too easy for him. It wasn't easy at the end. I don't imagine it was. This is a bad century, Mr. James. Bad for the young, bad for most of us. What do you think would have become of him? Nothing exceptional. Marriage, work, children, and death. No contribution. Was Floyd a disciplinary problem? No. He was lazy. I used to hope Irene would be the one to wake him up. She's so good for him, perhaps. I guess he was pretty popular with the girls. Very. As with everything else, things were too easy for him. He mentioned some of them to me. Thea, Irene, and Pixie. (laughs) I once had eight Judys in one class. I would remember a pixie, and I don't. I'm sorry. I want to have a chance to talk to the girls he mentioned. I've talked to Irene. I can't remember Pixie's last name. I wonder if there's any way I could get a look at a list of students to try to identify her. The administration offices will be empty by now. You could ask them Monday. Oh, I keep uh, old yearbooks here. They're over there on that bottom shelf. You can look them over. They're by the window, if you like. I have to get on with these papers. Floyd was unmotivated. Children lately have no motivation. They see no goals worth working for other than the manufactured dreams of the internet influencers and video games. I sat by the windows and went through the yearbooks. There was no pixie in any of the yearbooks. I had misheard Thea's name. Floyd's speech was pretty garbled at the end. Maybe it wasn't Pixie. I started to look for similar names. There was a Pippi Cinco in 93. 
I remembered my father calling my Aunt Beatrice Trixie. I found two Trixies. Pippi didn't seem like Floyd's type. She favored a goth look, heavy dark eyeliner and black lipstick. Her face sprouted several piercings. Her photograph made her appear sullen and moody. I wrote down her name anyway. While I didn't find her all that attractive, it was worth a shot. Trixie Janzak was in the class of 94 and wore thick glasses and had braces. I looked at her picture in the book for the year she graduated. What a difference. Looking at her in the 92 yearbook, I would have guessed she wasn't Floyd's type either. In the 94 yearbook, she had lost the glasses and the braces. Not stunning by any stretch, but she was a cute, smiling blonde with pretty eyes. I could see Floyd going for someone who looked like that. I noted their names in my notebook. Irene Hirsch's yearbook picture was not very good, but the promise of her, the clear hint of what she would become, was there in her face. Her activities listed under the picture made a long list. It was the same with Floyd. He grinned into the camera. Mr. Ballard looked up at me when I stood near his table. Any luck? I took down some names. They might help. I thanked him for his help. He was bent over his papers again before I got to the door. I got to the LeBrook Inn a little after five. I ordered some dinner and settled into the booth to make some calls. I looked up the last name of the goth girl, Pippi Senko. There were two Senkos listed in LeBrook, John W. and P.C. I tried John first. A woman with a nasal voice answered the phone. Hello, my name is Hunter James. I'm trying to locate a girl named Pippi Senko. Graduated from LeBrook High School in 93. Is this her home? Hold it a minute. I could hear her talking to someone else in the room. I couldn't make out what she was saying. You want to know about Pippi? That's right, please. This wasn't her home, but I can tell you about her. I'm her aunt. What do you want to know about her? Please, anything you can remember about her. It was cancer. Brain cancer from diagnosis when it took her was less than a year. She had it when she was still in high school, and we didn't know. She was always a little odd, so when her behavior got more odd, we just figured it was her. She wasn't fat, but always had some meat on her bones. It was when she started to lose weight that her mother took her to the doctor. The cancer was too far gone by then. They may have been able to do something if we had caught it early. When she died in the hospital, she weighed nearly 80 pounds. Brain cancer it was. I remembered the rebellious eyes, a girl forever lost inside that slow, inevitable encouragement. Is your daughter about the same age Pippi would have been? Older. She's married, three kids already. Could I talk to your daughter? Sure. Just a minute. The daughter's voice was colder, edged with thin suspicion. Why do you want to know about Pippi? I was wondering if she was ever friendly in high school with a boy named Floyd Vincent. Floyd is dead. It was in the papers. I know that. Were Pippi and Floyd friendly? Pippi and Floyd? Geez, that's a tasty combination. He would have known who she was on account of her being so goth, but I don't think he ever spoke to her. Why should he? He had all those groupies hanging around. Why are you asking all this? I was on the force with him. Before he died, he gave me a message to deliver to a girl named Pixie. I wondered if Pippi was the one. Not a chance. She would never have tolerated being called anything as cute as Pixie. Sorry, you just got the wrong one. Was there another Pixie in the class? No, Pixie. There was a girl with a name that sounded like that. She was a couple years behind me. I don't remember exactly. No one in my class had that name. Trixie? That's the name. I don't know where you'd find her. I think I saw her downtown once a year ago. I don't think she'd fit any better than my cousin. I mean, Floyd Vincent ran around with his own group. Big shots in the school. 
That Trixie wasn't in that group any more than my cousin. Or me. The bitterness was implicit in her tone. I thanked her again. She hung up. I tried Janzak. There was only one listed, Ralph K. A woman answered the phone. I'm trying to locate Trixie Janzak, who graduated from LaBrook High School. That's my daughter. Who is this calling, please? Hunter James. I'm working on a book about police officers who died while serving. I'm here researching Floyd Vincent's life before he joined the force. Oh, a writer. Could you tell me how I could locate her? She's married to Pat Everd. She gave me directions and I thanked her. I hung up. I stepped out of the booth and Orrin Stuckey stepped out of the adjoining booth. He smiled at me almost genially. So it's got something to do with somebody named Trixie? I don't know what you're talking about. So you are researching the life of Floyd Vincent for a book. And you're looking for someone named Trixie? He was wearing a dark suit, well cut. It looked expensive. His shoes were shined. His shirt was crisp. I wish I'd been more alert. It's no great trick to sit in one booth and listen to the conversation in an adjoining one. I hadn't even thought of secrecy, of making certain I couldn't be overheard. Now he had almost as much as I did. Go to hell, Stucky. He stood with his big hard fist on his hips, rocking back and forth from heel to toe, smiling placidly at me. You're busy, James. Nice little lunch with Irene, trip to the high school, tracking down Trixie. Does Trixie know where the loot is? He must have slipped in while I was finishing the call with Pippi's cousin. He hadn't heard the name Pixie. How did you get along with Leon, James? I got along fine. Strange guy, isn't he? He's a little odd. And he's damn near broke. That's a shame, isn't it? It's too bad. You know, he even had to sell the cabin. Did Floyd ever talk about the cabin? He had talked about it. I had forgotten about it until that moment. I remember Floyd saying that it was on a small lake. A rustic cabin their father had built. He mentioned it. I heard about it after I got here. Seemed like a good place, so I went up there with my little shovel. No dice, James. I dug up most of the lake shore. I dug a hundred holes. See how nice I am to you? That's one more place where it isn't. Later on, Leon let me use it for a while before he sold it. It's nice up there. You'd like it. Thanks for the information. I'm keeping an eye on you, James. I'm interested in your progress. I'll keep in touch. You do that. I turned on my heel and left him. It was dusk when I found the house. All the houses in the neighborhood were similar, just the trim and small yards were different. I parked in front. As I went up the walk toward the front door, the first light went on inside the house. I pushed the bell and a woman came to the door and looked out at me, the light behind her, child in her arms. Mrs. Everd? I'm Mrs. Everd. Her voice was soft and warm and pleasant, but she didn't open the screen door. I was a friend of Floyd Vincent before he died. Did you know him back in high school? My mother just called and said you might be stopping by. She hesitated. Won't you come in a minute? My husband should be home in a moment. When I was inside and she had turned toward the light, I could see her better. Her teeth had been fixed. Her face was fuller. She was attractive without being what I would call beautiful. Now there was a pride about her, a confidence that had been lacking in that picture I had seen. Another child sat on a small tricycle and gave me a wide-eyed stare. Both children looked very much like her. Mrs. Everett did not ask me to sit down. How well did you know Floyd, Miss Everett? I don't think he ever knew I was alive. Before he died, he mentioned a pixie, and I haven't been able to locate a pixie and thought I might have misunderstood him. I thought maybe he could have said Trixie. Could you have been the one he mentioned? I certainly doubt that. When I mentioned him, you asked me to come in. I thought... I guess I'll have to tell you. I had a crush on him for years. It was pathetic. It was really awful. 
Now it seems funny. It lasted until he graduated from high school. He had a red knit cap he wore in winter. He left it on a bench at a football game, and I stole it. I slept with it under my pillow for months and months. Wasn't that ridiculous? You got over it. Oh, yes, at last. And then I met Pat. I'm sorry about Floyd. It was terrible how he died. No, if he mentioned any pixie or other Trixie, it wasn't me. Maybe he would know me by sight, but I don't think he'd know my name. Could he have met some other girl? It would have to be some other girl, but I can't think who. No one else comes to mind? Someone Floyd associated with? No, I can't. There's something in the back of my mind, though, from a long time ago. Something I heard about Pixie or Saw. I don't know. I shouldn't even try to guess. It's so vague. No, I I can't help you. But the name Pixie means something. For a moment I thought it did. I'm sorry. If you remember, could you get in touch with me? You haven't told me who you are. I scribbled my cell number on the back of my business card and handed it to her. I'm sorry. My name is James, Hunter James. This says you are a private investigator? Why are you so interested in finding this pixie? I could at least be consistent. I'm writing a book about police officers who have died in the line of duty. I need all the information about Floyd I can get. Put in the book that he was kind. In what way was he kind, Miss Everett? I used to have dreadful buck teeth. I had to wait until all my teeth came in before the orthodontist would put braces on me. That's when I was in John L. Davis' grade school. It was before they built the junior high. I was in the fourth grade, and Floyd was in the sixth. A boy came with some funny teeth that stuck way out like mine. He put them in his mouth in assembly, and he was making faces at me. A lot of them were laughing. I was crying. Floyd took the teeth away from the boy and dropped them on the floor and smashed them under his heel. I never forgot that. I guess you wouldn't forget that. And if I can remember that other, I'll phone you. I drove back toward the center of town. Irene was right when she used the word creepy to describe Stucky. It was more than that. Stucky had proved on the force that he didn't give a damn what people thought of him. He was as primitive and functional as the design of an axe. He could not be anticipated because his logic was not normal. And there was a startling physical strength. I had seen several minor exhibits of his strength. One time he showed the true extent of it. A supply truck hit a huge pothole in the road and broke an axle right outside the station parking lot. None of us could get in or out. They broke a tow line trying to snake it out. We needed to get out, so a bunch of us helped to unload the truck to get some of the weight off. We got all the stuff off except one big wooden packing case. It was heavy. We were trying to get a dolly under it to move it to the forklift. But when we tilted it, we couldn't get the dolly far enough back. I imagine Stucky lost patience. He jumped into the bed of the truck, put his back against the case, squatted, got his fingers under the edge, then he came up with it. He lifted it high enough so the dolly could be put under it. When it was on the ground, one of the other moving company men swaggered up, tried to do what Stucky had done. It could not be budged. Back in town, I decided I would have a drink at the inn and a solitary meal and try to think of what the next step should be. I was picked up in front of the inn, ten steps from my car. Thank you for listening to Seamus. If you like this episode of Seamus, please leave a review and tell your friends. Seamus the Case of the Mason Jars, Part 4, Looking for Pixie, is based on the book A Bullet for Cinderella by John MacDonald, 
Hunter James was played by Tom Hinton. Mr. Ballard was played by Mike Rowe. Pippi's aunt was played by Julie Poulin. Pippi's cousin was played by Julie Scala. Mrs. Janzak was played by Marsha Hinton. Trixie Evard was played by Rebecca Chase. Oren Stuckey was played by Nick Gordon. I'm Leslie Woodruff. This episode of Seamus was written by Max Rees and directed by Tom Hinton. Seamus is a New Meadows Media production. All rights reserved.